Welcome into the Deep Slant Podcast. Count on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi. Can your internet do that? It's the Deep Slant Podcast presented by Xfinity. I'm your host, DP Sidhu. It's week two. We're on to Denver, and we have a chance to go behind enemy sidelines and find out what that Broncos team is up to this week. They had a very short week, Monday night game. Unless you're living under a rock, you saw how it went down. They lost to the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle with Russell Wilson with a last-second 64-yard field goal that was no good. So it's been a rough week for the Broncos fans and for people in Denver, but they got to bounce back. They're looking for a win. They're hungry. It's going to be their home opener as they take on the Texans. And I had a chance to catch up with my friend Phil Milani. He covers the Broncos, does the post-game show for them over there. I mean, that's a really talented team. Don't let the the win-loss record fool you. I mean, they're very talented on offense. They've got a powerful wide receiving core. They've got a really strong secondary. They've got a pass rush. They've got it all. And uh, they've got Russell Wilson. So what else What else can you say about this team? So we're going to dive into it. We're going to talk about the matchups. Plus, a former Texans head coach is on staff. So we're going to get into all that. But first, Texans fans, Xfinity delivers the fastest internet in Houston, so you can do more of what you love. You can stream the game on a powerful and secure Wi-Fi network and keep your home team happy with a reliable connection for all your devices. Xfinity XFi. Can your internet do that? All right, here we go. Phil Milani on the Deep Slant podcast presented by Xfinity. We go behind enemy sidelines, and we're talking Denver Broncos in week two. Phil, welcome in. I know it's a short week for the Broncos. How have you recovered and uh, has the locker room recovered after that crazy Monday night game? Uh, I think the locker room has recovered. I'm not sure about the city, though. Like uh, <laughs> the talk radio around here, everybody's uh, going after new Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett. His decision to go for a 64-yarder uh, to try and beat the Seahawks on Monday night football. There was so much hype going into that game with Russell Wilson making his return to Seattle. And, uh, you know, Russell Wilson just got this new giant contract. And so everybody thought for sure, put the ball in Russell Wilson's hands. But then out came Brandon McManus. Of course, he missed a field goal. And uh, away we went. I mean, uh, it's been a sort of a crazy few days around here. I'm sure that was probably a really long flight back to Denver for you guys. I saw a few days ago, Nathaniel Hackett, Discuss the decision to kick on fourth and five. Does the explanation provide any closure to the people watching, to the fans, to to the players? How have they sort of moved on from that? Well, the way he explained it was that he went and talked to the kicker before the drive started, said, okay, where do you think you can make it from? And he said, if you get to the 46-yard line, that'll be a 64-yarder. I can make it. And so away they went on the drive. They got exactly to the 46-yard line. It was fourth down and five. And so he had a decision to make. And he said, look, the kicker told him he can make it from there. So they went with that. That's what he said after the game. Then the next day, in his day after press conference, he said, you know, I thought about it more upon more reflection. I probably should have given it to Russ. And so he sort of said, hey, I made a mistake here, which – DP, as you know, in the NFL, head coaches rarely say, hey, I made a mistake there. So I think that fans appreciated him owning that a little bit and saying, hey, this was a learning moment. We're going to move forward from this. We're going to grow from this and uh, turn our attention to the Texans. And that's sort of uh, what what the team has done. Yeah, it doesn't change the outcome, but there is a little you're right, because this week, Lovey Smith said he wishes he gave the rookie running back Damian Pierce 
more carries than he did on Sunday. And while everybody thought that that should be the case, I don't know, for some reason, hearing the head coach say that you think, okay, well, at least moving forward, things will change and it won't be like that in week two and beyond. All right, let me ask you about Russell Wilson. You know, he gets the comeback game out of the way early in week one. He's already gone to Seattle. How much does this offense differ from what he was asked to do in Seattle? Is it similar? Is it different? How have they really utilized the skill sets there? They've been utilizing his skill set in a similar way to Seattle. They like to get him out of the pocket. They like to let him improvise a little bit. I think that, you know, when he gets out and they're, they're scrambling, they sort of say it creates that second play and uh, that makes it hard for the defense to work. And I think they've been trying to utilize that. But uh, differing from Seattle, I think that they want to be a little bit more of a high-powered offense. They want to throw the ball a little bit more and then also set up some play action. I think that I think that him and Nathaniel Hackett, they work very closely together. And I think they've developed sort of a mix of offensive philosophies with what Russell Wilson likes to do with what Nathaniel Hackett did when he was in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. They sort of have morphed those two things together and created this brand new Broncos offense. I mean, you mentioned the passing game. It's hard to ignore what the receivers were able to do in week one. Jerry Judy getting 100 yards, over 100 yards receiving, Cortland Sutton, and together they average just under 22 yards a catch. So between the two of them, is there a true number one receiver in Denver. We're going to see that shift week to week with the with the Broncos passing game. Well, Jerry Judy had the big touchdown against the Seahawks. He had a nice play. That was a, a long play there. First time for him in the end zone since 2020. All of last year, he did not score a touchdown. So good to see that from the Broncos perspective with Judy. But I do think Corlin Sutton's that number one guy. Like all throughout training camp, whenever they needed like a play in these like situations they create, it was going to Corlin Sutton every time. So I do think that Sutton is that more dependable number one type of guy. But I expect Jerry Judy to get a lot of targets. KJ Handler, I think, only had one catch on Monday night, but I do expect him to get more targets. So I think they really have two premier targets that they like, but Corlin Sutton is, is I think that number one guy. All right. How about the run game? You got Melvin Gordon there and Javante Williams. How do they fit together in the ground game and, and how are they used? Well, surprisingly, Javante Williams caught the ball 11 times, like on screen plays, dump offs. Uh, that was a little bit higher than we were expecting, but uh, I think Javante is that number one guy, but it's like a 1A, 1B situation here where Melvin Gordon's going to get a lot of carries. Last year, it was about 50-50. This year, I expect Javante to get a little bit more, even though on Monday night, Melvin Gordon had more, more carries. So I think they complement each other well. Javante is that guy who's just like tough to bring down. He breaks a bunch of tackles and he can go the distance, but Melvin Gordon's more of that high explosive kind of back. I would think that, you know, he could take a, a handoff and go 80 yards, you know, or, or something like that. He could break free and he's more of that veteran kind of guy. But the, the thing that happened to both of those guys is they fumbled at the goal line. I wasn't going to bring it up. Night. You brought it up, Phil. I, yeah, I had to bring it up. I think <laughs> it was like the first time that had happened to a team since the eighties. And I think On the it was one like, yard line as well. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So like uh, right at right at the one yard line, two fumbles in the same game. It's the first time since I think a replacement team during a strike season with the Chiefs. <laughs> I mean, it just like that just does not happen. But right. of course, it happened to the Broncos. Yeah. Have they talked about it this week? I'm a sure they've been asked bit. about it. 
<laughs> there was some confusion on uh, Javante Williams fumble where one of the offense alignment thought that it was a pass play and um, Russell Wilson like audible and he didn't hear it. And so he kind of dropped into a pass set to block and he like went back mm. into the, into Javante Williams and that sort of caused a fumble. But I mean, it was just uh, the worst situation possible. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, let's switch gears. Let's talk about that defense. Cause we saw this week that the secondary loses Justin Simmons who goes on IR. So who steps up in his place and how is that loss going to impact the secondary? I think it's a big loss just because Justin Simmons is one of those kind of guys who's just so dependable. He is on the field 100% of the defensive snaps every game. I think he hadn't missed a game in four years. So like uh, uh, to lose a guy like that, I think it's mostly going to affect communication. Just like he's a guy who's like on the back end. They're just making sure everybody's in the right spot. He's sort of like the captain of that defense. And so losing him hurts. Stepping into his role is a second-year safety, Caden Stearns. He went to the University of Texas, a guy who played a little bit last year, but uh, haven't seen too much from him. So he's got some big shoes to fill there, and uh, it'll be interesting. There were some blown assignments for that Broncos secondary against the Seahawks, led to uh, both of Seattle's touchdowns were on blowing coverages. So that's going to be an interesting area to watch because in the first half, that defense struggled gave up uh, 17 points to Geno Smith and and the Seahawks. In the second half, though, it was like a completely different defense. They shut out the Seahawks. They only gave up 34 yards in the second half. And it it looked like whatever was the issue in the first half, they got fixed. But now they got to deal with Justin Simmons being out. All right, well, let's talk about the other safety, Kareem Jackson. We saw plenty of Kareem here as a Houston Texan. Started off as a cornerback. Uh, he was a, a player reporter in the locker room. He started KJAC TV here. I yep. think I still have my shirt somewhere. Now he's in year 13, and he's still going pretty strong over there. How has he gotten better? I mean, we saw him morph into that safety position role as he left Houston, but how have you seen him get better in that role since he arrived in Denver? Well, the last time he played the Texans a couple of years ago, it was probably the game of his life. I mean, uh, he had that fumble return for a touchdown, had a big hit on uh, DeAndre Hopkins in that game. That was probably the best game he's ever played in his entire life. But KJX just sort of like that veteran, you know, that the younger guys go to and ask him for tips and that kind of stuff. And he he's still moving around as well as ever, still laying those big hits from that safety position. And It was interesting. He played his first couple of years here, and I think that he enjoyed it here. Last year, he was a free agent. He explored, you know, tested the waters and ended up returning to Denver. I think Russell Wilson coming here had a big impact on that. He felt like maybe the Broncos had a chance to win, maybe make the playoffs this year. So he ended up coming back here. And he's just sort of that veteran presence that a lot of the young guys uh, look up to him and they just follow his lead on how do you carry yourself? How do you do this? How do you do that? He, he's that guy uh, in the Broncos locker room. Oh, I mean, I blocked out that that loss to Denver a few years ago. Thanks for bringing it up, Phil. <laughs> Another guy that uh, we know well around here, Dom Capers, first head coach in Texans franchise history. I yeah. saw that he's got a new role with the Denver Broncos. What does he do for the team and how does he help out there on staff? He's like a, a defensive uh, advisor type of a role where he he's just, you know, been in the league for so long. And so he's just that guy who's, 
helping uh, uh, this transition for the Broncos coaching staff. They've got this coaching staff has a lot of people in first time roles, like uh, the defensive coordinator, uh, Gerald Evero. It's the first time he's ever been a defensive coordinator. The first time he's ever called defensive plays. And so Dom Capers is here to just sort of help as a, as a guider, like just as, as this advisor who, just to smooth things over and make things a little bit easier for everybody. In general, the Broncos coaching staff all across the board has some really young coaches that sort of brought some energy into this building that had been missing uh, the last couple of years here. They, they're like completely paperless. Like when they showed up to the facility, like there was a oh, wow. huge mound of all these like binders and highlighters and all this stuff, like in the middle of this conference room and they're completely paperless. So like, they're just like this younger wave of coaches, but what comes with that is a little bit of inexperience, a little bit of just not being familiar with every type of scenario that you could fall into. Dom is sort of here to just mm. make that easier. I don't think he's out there like scheming and making defensive game plans, but he's just more of a, Hey, my door's always open. If you need anything, I'm here. Very interesting. Very cool. Yeah, to it see. is interesting. All right. Well, good stuff. We got two first year head coaches facing each other on Sunday when the Texans head to Denver first home game for the Denver Broncos. Bill, thank you so much for time. Looking forward to week two and appreciate the time. Yeah, most definitely. Thanks for having me on and uh, looking forward to seeing you on Sunday. Great stuff from Phil Dom Capers on staff. Very similar, reminds me very similarly of Romeo Cornell on staff here for the past several years, just sort of a defensive um, assistant, you know, just with expertise, just overseeing everything, senior defensive assistant, and uh, just sort of helping in that uh, assistant as an assistant head coach in, in that sort of role, helping the head coach make big decisions and just sort of overseeing the operation. So good for him, good for Dom Capers. He was the head coach of the Houston Texans from 2001 to 2005. Before my time, but I certainly remember those games very well. I was at quite a few of them. Actually, most of them, if not all of them. So, all right, that's going to do it for the podcast. I was definitely at the last Denver Broncos game, and I was not happy that Phil brought that up because I'd forgotten about Kareem Jackson and the big game that he had. So hopefully this Texans team can limit what he's able to do on Sunday. They're not going to have Justin Simmons, and uh, they're going to try to come out of that with a win with Levy Smith and spreading the ball around more. So we've got a lot of stories on that. If you'd like to see what's in store for week two up on HoustonTexans.com. So check it out and check out the game Sunday, 325 p.m. kickoff with a 225 p.m. start time for our pregame show, Texans Unlimited, presented by Verizon. All up Cecil Shorts. We will be showing you the field and answering fan questions and just giving you some of the top stories of the day and of the game. So if you want to get caught up on what's going on with the Texans at Broncos, tune in to the post-game show. You can download the Texans mobile app. You'll get an alert. You will not miss a thing. All right. Well, you did not miss a thing of this podcast if you've made it this far because we are at the very end. So H-Town, thank you so much. And uh, that's going to do it for uh, the Deep Slant podcast presented by Xfinity. Thanks so much for listening. And as always, go Texans.